Hi, and welcome to the monthly Megabyte Barometer podcast. I'm Ian Spence, founder and CEO at Megabyte. This podcast was born as a weekly update in the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, but has now morphed to cover a broader range of topics, although the economic impact of COVID will clearly be a key topic for some time to come yet. The idea of this podcast is to give my take on some of the key trading, uh, recent trading, transaction and funding news, and to look forward to what this might mean for the outlook. Megamite subscribers can drill into the detail of all of this on our platform, which includes research and data on over 2,000 of the UK's leading TMT companies at megabyte.com. So, on with the show. Over the next 20 minutes or so, I will cover three main areas. After a brief overview of the performance of stock markets, I'll take a look at transaction fundraising activity in the UK TMT sector, give my view on the trading environment out there, and conclude by looking at what this all means for the outlook. So first to markets, and May was another very strong month for the markets. Uh, We tend to look at a couple of the key indicators uh, in terms of global stock market indices. The Megabyte UK index, which is an index of uh, the 100 or so leading uh, UK TMT based uh, quoted companies, and that was up 5% in May. And the NASDAQ, obviously the leading US uh, tech heavy index, which was up 7% in May. Looking at the Megabyte index, it's now, it fell by about a third, a bit more than a third from its January high through to uh, its March low at the sort of height of the uh, the, the weakness and the uncertainty in the markets um, surrounding COVID-19 and has now recovered about half of that value. And we look at, we look at what this means for valuations, it's a similar pattern. So um, in terms of the overall current year EV EBITDA valuation for our universe of companies, it was at a, running at about 18 times as we went into the COVID-19 pandemic. It dropped as low as 10 times, actually, um, in the uh, in the at the point of maximum uncertainty, as I said in March. And it's recovered to about 14 times. I have to say, as I said in previous podcasts, we have to treat this with a little bit of caution because, uh, as as those of you who study um, quoted companies or read the quoted company announcements or indeed our research, will know that uh, many of companies uh, quoted companies have removed. Uh, future guidance on profitability and, and, and financial performance generally and so it's very hard to triangulate properly what the uh, what the, the real outturn is going to be or likely outturn is going to be for those companies and therefore difficult to get a clear view on the valuations. Um, so but currently trading on 14 times that's uh, according to Cap IQ data. Um, the Nasdaq even stronger and the Nasdaq fell a bit further uh, than our uh, UK index uh, at the peak of uh, the, the the uncertainty around the pandemic, and fell over forty percent from its high, but has now recovered almost all of that uh, almost all of that lost ground. It peaked at about nine thousand eight hundred, the Nasdaq Composite Index, and it's now trading at about nine thousand five hundred. So almost back to where it was, which is which is kind of interesting. And uh, valuation wise, EV EBITDA uh, again very similar, interestingly to the UK, a uh, much broader index, obviously than our UK index, but. Um, Trade was trading at about 18 times, fell as low as 13 times, and now is back at 18 times. So, you know, pretty incredible stuff. The big question uh, that I think we're asking and everybody's asking is, is, is it sustainable? Uh, you know, is it really realistically realistic that um, indices are where they were or broadly where they were pre-COVID, given all of the difficulties that that has caused for the economic outlook? I'll discuss this later when we turn to the outlook. So moving on now to transaction and fundraising news, 
Um, it's actually not been as quiet as we thought it would be in the private equity world. Um, obviously, a lot of uh, our coverage at Megabyte is private companies, three quarters, more than three quarters of it is private companies and a, a very substantial uh, part of those are, pr- are private equity backed. We recorded on our deals day space in May 18 private equity deals in total compared to 20 in May 19. So that gives you a broad idea that things have not been too bad. But when we drill into the uh, into the detail of that, we can see that almost all of those deals were growth capital deals. And that's really the key point, I think, that we've seen in, in, uh, in the transaction activity over the last few weeks during the COVID-19 uh, crisis is that uh, growth capital deals have continued at a reasonably steady pace, but private equity deals, and I'll talk about M&A in a minute, but, uh, but that particular has been hit, hit hard. But, but um, mid-market private equity deals have also become quite scarce. So of the 18 deals we recorded in May, only one was an MBO, and actually that doesn't really count in the sense it wasn't a new transaction, it was the it was inflection taking, uh, um, going from minority to a majority stake in UK fast. So it wasn't new money going. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, a new deal. Um, other than that, we didn't record any other um, uh, mid-market private equity deals, MBOs, SBOs, or P2Ps. There has been a bit of activity, uh, bit of activity since the end of May, which I'll come on to in a minute. So as I mentioned, in terms of the deal flow. Uh, the only um, the only meaningful private equity deal uh, outside of growth capital that we saw in the month was uh, UK Fast. Won't go into the detail there, other than uh, there's been a management change. Should we say at UK Fast, which has prompted inflection to increase its stake up to seventy five percent. No deal value announced. And um, since the, just after the end of the month, a lot earlier this week, we uh, saw that Glide, uh, Knee, Cablecom. Uh, was uh, acquired by Alinda in a deal value that we estimate to be about 200 million. Um, that was inflection exiting that asset and in a pretty healthy deal. In terms of private equity activity, more on the M&A front, but an exit from Horizon uh, Capital uh, of Connexas in the uh, in the um, telematic space, uh, another good exit at 65 million to add secure, which was a castic backed uh, uh, pan-European provider. As I said, growth capital really the area of most activity uh, from a private equity and, and, and venture capital perspective during the month. In our database, total of 17 deals raising 316 million compared to 14 deals uh, raising 493 million in May 2019. So uh, quite a big drop in the overall amount raised, but uh, there was a couple of really chunky deals in May 2019. So overall activity, I would say broadly steady. Um, I won't go into all of those deals, clearly, um, but it's really good to pick out a couple and, and actually really good to see some of the most uh, exciting kind of promising B2B tech scale-ups getting uh, very good funding support. Pick out a couple for you. Um, Beacon, which is a uh, B2B uh, logistics, next generation logistics company, raised $60 million in May from what you can only describe as the great of the good, great and the good of the Silicon Valley, even though it's a UK headquartered company. Jeff Bezos, Kalanick of Uber fame, and all of their mates putting in a, a real chunk of cash into that business. So that's really one to watch. And another one of our favorites at Megabyte that we've covered for a number of years now, Feature Space, in the uh, in the kind of crossover of uh, cybersecurity and uh, fintech, raised another 30 million at we, what we think was about a 200 million valuation from uh, new investor Merian Chrysalis and also existing venture capital investors, including Highland. So really, really positive, given everything that's going on, to see those companies getting fully funded. Um, as I mentioned earlier, when we look at M&A activity, uh, this is where we've seen the, the greatest impact of the COVID-19 downturn. 
uh, by our reckoning, M&A activity in terms of numbers of deals in May is down 75%. So we recorded uh, 52 M&A transactions in May 2019 and just 13 on our database uh, in the UK in, uh, in May this year. And the really the thing that's really gone, um, not gone completely, but has been as massively scaled back is is the the smaller bolt-ons. There was obviously a very high cadence in areas like enterprise software, in telecom services, in infrastructure services, up to the COVID nineteen pandemic. And you know confidence has has really been knocked with those, and they they've really largely dried up. There have of course been a couple of um, there were were of course a couple of really interesting and chunky deals um, in the in the month. And just to spend a couple of minutes talking about those. The big one, obviously, announced was Virgin and O2 merger, $36 billion potential merger, uh, which is interesting on a number of levels. And I, uh, those of you who are subscribers to our research, I, I, I encourage you heartily to read the research from my colleague Philip Cass on this because he's got some fascinating insights into what this all means for the industry. And it, it, really, does look, it really does feel like it's going to be pretty um, transformational, not just for those businesses, obviously, but for the industry generally, not least for Vodafone, uh, which will see its competitive position significantly eroded, particularly in the fixed line market. Uh, interesting to see, and our research covers what they might do about that. So that's kind of a biggie. Uh, elsewhere in the software sector, really interesting deal from Microsoft uh, in the month, acquiring MetaSwitch for what we think was around $600 million. This is a UK, uh, this is a UK uh, headquartered business, MetaSwitch, uh, in the uh, in the network uh, networking software market. And it, it's particularly interesting as a uh, convergent crossover deal with Microsoft. We all know that Microsoft was a uh, was was starting to be a competitive threat to the in the telecoms industry, uh, and the COVID nineteen pandemic, as we all know, has massively increased the use of video conferencing, uh, not least Teams as well as Zoom and others. Um, but um, this deal really is a signal of intent for Microsoft from our perspective, uh, really doubling down on its on its uh, on its. Uh, focus on this sector and and and, and really uh, uh, just underlining its intent uh, as a competitor in, in the telecom sector. So very interesting deal there. Turning to the capital markets, um, uh, you know, really very strong ongoing support for quoted companies in our sector across all sectors. Actually, for those of you who are stock market watchers, it's been I think a, a pleasant surprise to most people that um, just how uh, just how supportive. Uh, stock market investors have been of the companies really uh, looking across everything from distressed deals where shareholder support is keeping them alive through to uh, much more positive kind of uh, war chests for uh, organic and acquisitive development once things start to improve. So we think that uh, within the megabyte companies, they raised about 300 million uh, in the month of May in seven transactions. And as I say, these range from rescue funding to the likes of Accesso and Timeout uh, in the media sector through to much more kind of war chest type uh, type raising uh, fundraisers from the likes of Learning Technologies Group. So really positive to see that. Uh, in terms of where this, where, what that looks like relative to the previous year, uh, there were, we recorded seven transactions in the capital markets in May 2019. So in terms of numbers of transactions, similar, but two of those last year were IPOs. Uh, unsurprisingly, no IPOs uh, currently in the uh, market, and we don't expect those for a while yet. Although, interestingly, there was conversation and chatter 
in the month of Dark Trace, uh, as many of you will know, one of the kind of UK's leading lights in the cybersecurity sector, possibly thinking about an IPO uh, and possibly in London. So that's an interesting uh, prospect. Um, and I think a broader point on on uh, that I won't go into detail now, but possibly one for a future podcast is de-equitization, i.e., the uh, the move of uh, the move of uh, away from public markets of technology ownership to private equity, not just in the technology sector across many sectors, has been a topic of conversation um, uh, for years now, and it's going to be really interesting to see whether the fact that the stock market has been so supportive of the tech companies uh, that need capital in this difficult time will perhaps act as a catalyst to reverse some of that de-equitization. Hard to say, um, but an interesting topic. We don't look a lot at the debt markets in detail at Megabyte, but there's been some interesting activity worth just commenting on uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a conclusion to this part of my uh, talk. Um, and I think overall our talking to, I mean, I've probably had 30 or 30 or 40 conversations with our banking and private equity subscribers at Megabyte over the last few weeks. And although I think the, the, the banks are keen to uh, to get back into doing um, transactions, new transactions, realistically, the main uh, clearing banks in the UK have got, got their hands full with their existing customer base and are focused quite rightly, I guess, on those customers. So actually, they, I don't think, are putting a lot of new money to work in the market at the moment. But clearly, there are people putting money to work. Um, you know, we saw in March one of the uh, one of the interesting private equity deals during the downturn was M two four seven getting effectively reinvested in by Livingbridge and Aries putting a significant chunk of money into that deal. Uh, and I mentioned the Glide deal just uh, after the month end, uh, and Aries were involved in that as well. At the larger end of the scale, interesting to see Microfocus getting its fundraising done, uh, debt raise done. Significant concern on that stock earlier in the uh, earlier in the crisis when uh, it's needing to re to uh, to refinance several hundred million of, of dollars of debt and was struggling to do that. Announced that it was struggling to do that in March and has now got that done. So that's really encouraging. And the thing, one of the things that really really jumped out at me, um, one of the things that I I've talk I've started talking a lot about and, and we'll talk more about is the accelerated acceleration of digital disruption that is being caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and um, obviously anyone uh, looking at our sector will know that Amazon has been a massive beneficiary and will continue to be a massive massive beneficiary of that shift already and in my view will uh, will will do going forward for the long term. Amazon raised 10 billion in debt uh, during May and what really jumped out at me was 1 billion of that was a three-year corporate bond at 0.4% interest rate just underlines how confident people are in, in, in Amazon and uh, and how and it's just a really fascinating data point on how much I think the digital revolution that's coming will impact every area of our sector particularly uh, valuations and the ability of these businesses to fund themselves uh, with uh, good value capital uh, on the transaction outlook, I'll cover that in more detail a little bit later, but um, I think that one of the key points that I think we're going to see, obviously I think we're going to see lower transaction volumes over the next few months, and I think one of the things that uh, resonated with me was a comment I heard this month about, or last month, about the, the nature of private equity deal making over the next few months, and it will be more speed, less speed dating and more matchmaking. So the point being, we're going to see fewer very large processes with businesses, perhaps sending out information memoranda to 50 potential parties and then 
um, and then uh, and then trying to get uh, you know going through that very formal process and much more targeted approach to investors. Uh, maybe that's going to be the way things are done over the next few months and maybe going forward. So that's the trading and transaction uh, uh, overview. What about trading news? Um, well, uh, as I think those of you who have listened to this podcast and read our search research will know, our uh, research team have been doubling down on uh, on their CEO conversations over the last few months. They've really hit the phones. And a lot of those conversations have been off the record, which is not something we've done a lot before at Megabyte. But it's been fascinating and frankly transformational uh, as to the way we do things. The team's had another 75 CXO, mainly CEO conversations during May and over now, over 250 now since the um, since the COVID-19 crisis started in in March. And as a result of that, uh, the, the team has, has published over 175 news and opinion and articles, company and peer group analysis and reports during May. So huge volume of, of kind of analysis coming out of us, out of our team during May. Um, it's going to be very hard for me to summarise that in five minutes, but I'll give it a go. I think the main takeaway for me and, and also the conversations I've had uh, uh, over the last month have been a, a really positive um, uh, change from what, what was the, this, the prevailing sentiment in March. So I think that everyone was very concerned, understandably, about the outlook in March. Um, and generally speaking, CEOs, investors and I think advisors as well are more confident than they were two months ago. I think that's a fairly clear general uh, statement that we can make. Obviously, there are continue to be uh, continue to be wide variations across the sector as to how confident or not people are. Just trying to summarise some of the areas uh, that 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 are that are interesting, and and we've we've um, obviously fo- focused more on. Just before I dive into those, just to mention that um, just this week. Uh, the team has published uh, our latest round of barometer reports, uh, which I thoroughly recommend you have a look at. These drill into real detail on individual uh, peer groups and sub-peer groups and how we think those are faring in the COVID-19 downturn um, with some st- statistical analysis as well as qualitative commentary around that. So I thoroughly recommend you have a look at those. But but in terms of what we're seeing, I think it's it's a continuation of many of the trends that we've seen previously, but some more granularity maybe on what we can t- we can we can uh, see. Looking at ICT and digital services, um, infrastructure services, the resellers and the managed service pro- IT managed service providers. You know they were one of the beneficiaries, I think, in the short term as the the move to working from home. That's that has persisted to a degree. I think the the large customer versus smaller customer dynamic is starting to come into play there where as a general point across all areas we cover understandably those those uh, vendors that have got a an sme customer base are probably struggling a bit more than those have that have an enterprise customer base and those are struggling a bit more than those that have a predominantly public sector customer base so there's that dynamic playing out in infrastructure services as elsewhere we're also got some concerns about some of the smaller resellers, um, just how they can really those that have not made any kind of transition to managed services, or most of them haven't. So that's that's um, uh, that's an area of concern. But overall, those businesses trading really well, particularly or, or reasonably well, particularly those that have that have got a man- high managed services component and are addressing managed services and uh, sorry, addressing enterprise customers and public sector customers. For the hosters and for the hosters that we track, it's pretty much business as usual, as you'd expect. Uh, and Philip has published some some good research on that um, over the last few weeks. And uh, in telecom services, I'd say uh, generally a positive outlook as well. High recurring revenue, um, sticky product, 
Um, yes, new business is harder to come by. And again, that's a general point we can make across the whole sector that um, whilst underlying revenues are proving to be pretty solid, actually the thing that you'd, as you'd expect, uh, that's, that's more of a struggle is new business. And I think that's a general comment we can make. And I think that's true in telecom services as elsewhere. In IT consulting, it's really a mixed picture. Again, it, it depends to a large degree. What, what, well, it depends on two things. Customer base, if you've got a public sector customer base, you're in pretty good shape at the moment. Kanos, uh, as an example, um, put a trading update, update out earlier in the month saying that things were really pretty robust in, in, in the public sector part of it, the majority of its business. The outlook a little bit more uncertain, but, but overall pretty solid. Uh, you know, but some of the product Im- application implementation areas, perhaps a little bit less certain if you if you uh, if you have a working SAP or Microsoft environment uh, ERP environment are you really going to do a lot to it over the next 12 months or have you got other priorities you've probably got other priorities so new business and it's harder to come by for those companies and obviously the IT consulting they've got uh, they've got um, more um, they've got uh, you know less of an order they've got less visibility on their revenue so that's more challenging Turning to software, obviously very complex picture, so it's difficult to uh, to summarise in in a, in, a, in in a short period. But again, I would you know really focus on three main areas of of, of overall uh, kind of trying to assess the outlook for these businesses for software and digital platforms. Customer size is it is a key thing here as well. End market, end vertical. If it's a vertically focused software vendor or digital platform, clearly is a factor. And product stickiness overall. I mean, clearly that's something that software and digital platforms have in, in generally have a lot of, particularly as they've moved to more SaaS-based um, uh, recurring revenues. Those that are still on initial license fees, well, first of all, most of them, uh, that was a bad move. Uh, but if they were on, they are still on an initial license fees, that's going to be an, a, a definite issue for them, I think, over the coming, coming period. But most, as I say, are on recurring revenues now. So overall, a pretty positive picture. Looking at some of the main areas we track within, uh, within software, obviously enterprise software, our biggest single area of coverage. Customer size is the biggest focus here in terms of resilience. Sage, Zero, Intuit have all uh, issued results or trading updates in May. And they are, I think, they're fine, but they are um, finding things harder on new business front because they're obviously got an SME customer base compared to the likes of Workday and Salesforce that we've also had quarterly results from the last few weeks. And they are they are proving to be much more robust uh, given that they've got a more mid-market and enterprise customer base. In the myriad vertical markets, software vendors we track, it's, it's again difficult to generalize, but if we had to, we talk about consumer-facing software businesses, Retail, travel, hospitality, etc., having a tougher time for obvious reasons. Business services fo- focus software vendors, mixed picture, but generally pretty robust. Same with industrial um, services uh, focused software vendors, the likes of construction and so on. Actually, construction software, Lecosoft had a trading update this week. We've talked to Causeway uh, in the private sector, private world, and they're not trading badly. It's really about product stickiness. So although the end markets are struggling a bit, um, the product stickiness is great. So they're not they're not struggling too much. In fact, doing pretty well, those businesses, bar the new businesses I talked about. There have obviously, just to finish off on this, there have obviously been some major um, positives. Um, the obvious one to talk about is conferencing. Uh, you know, I think... <laughs> Zoom was 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 great this week. Um, was it this week or last week? They uh, they issued um, issued results and doubled their uh, doubled their revenue guidance. I've been an analyst more than twenty five years, and I don't think, in fact, I'm certain I've never known a company to double its revenue guidance. So that was sort of a 
a comment on our times, I think. Obviously, teams within Microsoft is performing well and closer to home. Uh, loop up a, a kind of uh, independent vendor quoted in London um, very strong results from them although I think we would question the long-term competitive positioning of a business against the increasingly guerrilla-like activities of the likes of Microsoft and Zoom and obviously cybersecurity continues to be an area of real strength uh, within the uh, within the software sector and we've seen that broadly across not not exclusively there have been some weak points there but uh, but it's been it's been good to see uh, it's been they've been trading well and strongly i think over the last period um, relatively speaking i think one just last point to re- reinforce and underline really is this idea of the public sector strength uh, you know that that has been an area really across all areas of our coverage that has been positive for uh, for, for tra- the trading uh, outlook and i think will continue to be in the short term whether that continues in the medium term is really going to depend on whether um we are entering a period of austerity as the government, uh, once we've gone through the COVID crisis and the government resolves its undoubtedly difficult balance sheet issues with a period of austerity. I think the received wisdom is that's not going to be the case this time round as it was after the global financial crisis. I think it's much more likely to be uh, higher taxes. So uh, get ready to pay more taxes, folks. Um, but we'll see how that pans out. Um, interesting too. And we've published, uh, James, our analyst in, in uh, IT consulting, has published some interesting research on the public sector. Uh, outlook in that part of the market this month as well so i recommend you have a read of that and just to reiterate much more granularity on all of this trading uh, news and our views on the outlook in our three barometer reports out now for subscribers so let's try and pull this all together conclude where we are uh, and what this means going forward what, what do i think about the trading outlook well the term that we've started using a lot is flat is the new growth so if you're trading flat this year that that's that's a pretty good effort, um, even though you might have expected to grow significantly this year. But I think the thing that is really on everybody's mind is this earthquake versus tsunami uh, metaphor. We've had the earthquake or we're having the earthquake. Things are settling down a bit now in terms of the COVID-19, the short term COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and we're clearing up a bit and things are calming down a bit. But the question mark is there. Is there a tsunami coming? Have we missed this? Is there a tsunami heading towards the beach at terrifying speed? And, and are we just in a, in, a, in, a, in the quiet before the next storm? Question mark. I think my take on this is somewhere in the middle. I think it's going to be a bumpy year for the next year for sure. And we've got some major hills to climb um, the, over, the, over the coming months. Really three that I would, I would sort of highlight. First is the, is the end of the furlough scheme in the UK in the autumn. I think it's going to be a really difficult period, not least for the poor souls that are likely not to be brought back from furlough. And that's, I think, going to be a significant number and i think that's going to really impact the economy and sentiment and i think that's going to cause um of course another kind of pause for for for, for thought and 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 a, and a slowdown another re-slowdown if you like in in activity the next one really is is a year in a year or so's time maybe next spring when the first payments come due on all of the vast amounts of government borrowing that has been put out the door over the last few weeks that I think is going to be another period where there's going to be defaults on that and that's going to cause a, a, an issue as well uh, and another hill to climb if you like from a trading outlook perspective and then the big one the third one really is a vaccine you know are we really going to get back to normal and what is the new normal another longer discussion and until we really get an understanding of when that's coming I think things are going to be uh, uncertain what does that mean for transaction volumes um well as i mentioned earlier i don't think there's any question in our mind that transaction volumes are going to be laid low for the next at least the next uh, few months 
I'd like to think that uh, going back to the point I made earlier about growth capital, that growth capital be, will be uh, will continue to be reasonably solid. And, and look, as a general point, there's no question in my mind, there's no doubt mathematically that private equity and, and other sources of private and public capital, there is you know, interest rates are even lower than they were a few weeks ago. So there's no shortage of capital chasing deals and looking for great companies to invest in. But uh, there will be some, uh, you know, the, the barriers I mentioned a second ago in terms of sentiment will be there. From a uh, from a leverage buyout perspective, debt markets are going to be, uh, l- you know, less. Um, I mean, they were incredibly p- receptive to deals pre-COVID, and they're going to be less so. But we've seen from Aries and others that there are there is there is leverage to be had on these deals. So overall, what I think, I think growth capital that doesn't require leverage is going to continue uh, at a reasonable pace. Uh, I think that um, I think that private equity transactions will continue at a better lower level, and I think that M and A will start to build up again over this year as corporates, who frankly have got the money to continue on their on their buy and builds, they just don't have the uh, they just don't have the confidence right now. Will start to, re- to, to 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 build back up again. So overall, I think we'll see uh, lower volumes, but an increasing uh, increasing um, I- increasing activity as we go through the year, but with variations. Valuations, I think we've changed our view a little bit on the outlook of valuations. I think we've always felt that, and I've always felt that it was not going to be the same scenario as it was in 08, 09, where valuations were absolutely cratered in the UK tech sector and globally. I think we were thinking there would be some compression in valuations, and we still think there will be some compression. But overall, I think that uh, I think that um, actually good quality assets, and that's something I didn't touch on, is that quality will, will very much out over the next period. And good quality businesses will always find investors and, and new homes if that's what they wish. And I think actually now valuations for those kind of businesses are probably going to be largely where they were pre-COVID, which is quite a statement, but I think that's probably the case. But things that have got issues with them or trading difficulties or can't really prove that they've trading, they're have trading, they trading through the COVID period, well, I think we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll struggle to get, get things done. So it's going to be quite polarised in that sense. And I think just leave you with an interesting comment, really, around this idea of re-equitisation. So I mentioned earlier about whether the uh, the um, the really positive fundraising activity we've seen on the capital markets, 300 million, as I said, raised from megabyte uh, covered companies in the UK just in May. And will that mean more attractive, uh, more companies wanting to come to the stock market? We'll see. But also really interesting, just as, as an end point, to, to look at uh, the, the news that the British Business Growth Fund, a BGF, were looking at um, uh, raising potentially a, a 15 million billion pound fund because they see that actually a lot of the debt that is going into businesses now will have to convert to equity at some point from 2021 onwards. Which I think is interesting and, and probably right. And so we're going to need a re-equitisation in the private company world as well from 2021 onwards, which I think is another great opportunity for the private equity and and other and some of those businesses may end up on the capital markets. So. That's it for me. I hope that was interesting. I hope uh, you uh, you you got what you needed from that. And as I say, there's way more detail on all of this on our platform. So if you're a subscriber, log in and, and have a mooch around, take a look. I'll be back next month from uh, the, the first Friday of every month with my podcast. But for now, thank you for listening and stay safe.